Would you turn with me this evening to Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, and then Luke chapter 7. In these Friday evening services for the last few weeks, we have been on a series of healing. We're calling it Receiving and Ministering Healing. How many believe in healing? Jesus was a healer and he is a healer. Amen. And so uh, we've been going through the four accounts of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at the individual cases of healing that occurred under Jesus' ministry. Now, you might think there's more because different writers record the same ones, but there's only about 19 such cases recorded. Now, that's not all the people that got healed. I mean, there's times it says multitudes were healed. Great multitudes were healed. Everybody that touched him got healed. Everybody he touched got healed. But uh, where it tells who the person was, what was wrong with them, what they said and did, what Jesus said and did, and how they got healed, there's only about 19 of those. So we've begun one by one looking at these individual cases of healing. And we noticed that the majority of the people in these situations got healed through their own faith. If you'll go through and you'll see that again and again it talks about Jesus told them, your faith has made you whole. As you have believed, so be it done to you. According to your faith, be it unto you. And we found that out, and you'll see it, that in the majority of these individual cases, Their healing, or I should say it like this, their individual faith was a determining factor in them receiving healing. Not everyone, but but most of them. So we looked at the healing of the leper. And we looked at the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And we looked at the healing of the man born by four, the healing of the paralytic. And we looked at the healing of the nobleman's son. And then last week we looked at the healing of the man with the withered hand. This week, let's look at the healing of the centurion's servant. The centurion's servant that we just read about a few days ago in Luke chapter 7. So we'll read first of all, you know how we do it, in Matthew, the 8th chapter. And then we'll go jump right straight to Luke, the 7th chapter. These, this is the same healing, but different accounts of the same healing. Let's pray. Get in faith about utterance. Get in faith about receiving. And how many believe it's the Lord's will, if somebody had a problem in their body here tonight, to be healed? Tonight. Somebody said, well, you just never know. If you believe, you know. No. It's God's will. I mean, we, you wouldn't talk that way about people being born again. If you say, well, you know, we've got people that's not saved, not born again here tonight. If we give an altar call, what do you think? Is it God's will for them to be saved? Folks say, well, you just, you just never know. They could go down and pray and see, but how would we know? Well, if they got saved, we'd know it was God's will. And if they didn't get saved, well, we'd know it wasn't his will to save them. We know better than that. How many know better than that? That if somebody came down and prayed and left and didn't get saved, that doesn't prove that it wasn't God's will to save them. It proved that for some reason they didn't believe, they didn't receive. Right? 
Healing is exactly the same way. Everything in God is that way. No. It's God's will to save everybody. It's God's perfect will that everybody be born again. Now, not everybody is, but it's still His will. It's God's will for all His people to be healed. Not everybody is, but it's still His will. Can you say amen? Amen. And if somebody's in this place hurting tonight, or got a bad report, a negative report from the doctor, it is God's will for you to be healed now. Amen. Amen. I said, boy, you say that so bold, you don't even blink enough. Because I know it. I've seen it. Amen. Amen. It's the Word. Had a fellow come one time and... uh, he was kind of testy about it. He said, well, we don't believe that at our church. I said, well, you have healings and miracles at your church? He said, no. I said, well, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I said, y'all don't believe it. You don't preach it. And you don't believe it. And you don't have it. We preach it. We believe it. You heard the testimonies, didn't you, tonight? We have testimonies every week. We, we didn't solicit these. We didn't call anybody. These people gave these things of their own accord. We, we tell people the contrary. Now, don't, don't say something if you're not sure, if you don't know. But these things are happening on a regular basis because wherever there's faith to reach up and meet God, there's going to be results in the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you won't be bothered with it. Because right. these signs follow them that believe. Not them that scoff and doubt and are skeptical. Sometimes people, you know, they want to say, well, prove it to me. You know, prove it to me. No, the Lord didn't call us to prove it. He called us to preach it. It's up to you if you believe it or not. Now, if you believe it, he'll prove it. If you'll believe it. But you can't say, well, prove it and then I'll believe it. Well, no, that's like saying seeing is believing. That's not true. But this man... The centurion's servant was healed, and there's detail recorded about it. So let's pray and get into the Word and believe for God to tailor this to you and I tonight and fit us exactly what we ought to hear. Father, we thank you for your holy Word. What a privilege it is to be able to see and hear the wonderful things in the Word of God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. You've sent to indwell us and teach us. Guide us into all truth. Bring to our remembrance everything you've said to us. And show us things to come. We ask for everybody to have eyes that are open to see. And ears open to hear. And heart open to receive. Let there come light and revelation of truth that makes free. Answers to questions. Solutions and direction. That the faith of the hearer may rise up and receive healing and wholeness and soundness. For we are persuaded it is your will. Get glory to yourself in the healing of our bodies as well as the salvation of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew, the 8th chapter and the 5th verse. Y'all ready? You're awake? Here we go. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy. Grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Don't you like that? Whew. No vacillation. No ifs and ands and maybes and will sees or you just never know. I will come. 
and heal him. Everybody say it out loud. I will come and heal him. Who said that? Jesus. Has he changed? Is he still saying the same thing today? Yeah. Yeah. I'll come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way and as you have believed, so be it done to you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Glory to God. Glory to God. We'll turn to Luke and let's read Dr. Luke's account. See what the good doctor says. Luke 7. In the first chapter. I'm going to read this to you out of the living Bible. You follow along in whatever you have. Luke 7, 1. When Jesus had finished his sermon, he went back into the city of Capernaum. Just at that time, the highly prized slave of a Roman army captain was sick and near death. When the captain heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they began pleading earnestly with Jesus to come with them and help the man. They told him what a wonderful person the captain was. If anyone deserves your help, it is he, they said. For he loves the Jews and even paid personally to build us a synagogue. Jesus went with them. But just before arriving at the house, the captain sent some friends to say, Sir, Don't inconvenience yourself by coming to my home, for I'm not worthy of such honor or even to come and meet you. Just speak a word from where you are and my servant boy will be healed. I know because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my men. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. I say to my slave, do this or that and he does it. So just say, be healed, and my servant will be well again. Jesus was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, never among all the Jews in Israel have I met a man with faith like this. And when the captain's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Hallelujah. How many believe this really happened? Just like we read it, it happened just like this. Can it happen today? Well, is God alive today? Is he real? Is he still doing the same things? Is his will still the same? Like we said before, Jesus is the express person and manifestation of the person of the Father God. He said, I do always those things that please him. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what are we looking at right now then? 
Are we not looking at the manifest will of God? Are we not looking at the will of God in action? The manifest will of God for all men, for all time. That's what we're looking at. Back up to this first verse in Luke, and let's talk about these one at a time. So a certain centurion, these other translations say a captain in the Roman army, he was a commander of 100 Roman soldiers. Now the Roman forces were the most feared and most powerful in the earth at the time and in the world, as far as the world was concerned. And they were highly disciplined. You didn't come up through the ranks by being undisciplined. You had to be sharp. You had to understand the chain of command. And this man obviously did, and he had been promoted, and he was a captain, or he was a centurion. And the Bible said he had a servant that was very dear to him. A lot of people had slaves and servants in those days. And he had said he had a slave, but you notice the servant was dear to him. Probably more like an employee, might be partly like a son. And... Uh, he, uh, to say he was dear to him, he was highly prized, this other translation said. So we see his motivation, it was out of love for this servant that he had. And the Bible said that he was in a paralyzed condition. He was racked with pain. Another translation said he was bedridden, a paralytic, constantly tormented, suffering terribly. And he was at the point of death. So he was in a bad way. He was bedfast. He was paralyzed. He was torture in torturous pain. And uh, when you love somebody, when they hurt, you hurt. And this man cared about this servant, cared about this boy. And it was hurting him to see him in this condition. And he couldn't do anything about it. And apparently any medical attention he could get a hold of couldn't do anything about it. But how many know when you can't do something about it? There is somebody who can. If you can believe. And uh, the Bible said in verse 3, when he heard of Jesus, he heard about Jesus. That is the starting point of all faith. Faith comes by hearing, doesn't it? I wonder what he heard about Jesus. Why would he go to all this trouble and, and sin for Jesus? He must have heard that people were getting healed. Mustn't he? How many believe that healing is part and parcel of the gospel message? It's part and parcel of the redemptive plan of the Lord. How much a part of Jesus' own earthly ministry healing was? Well, is our ministry to be different from his? Or is our ministry simply an extension of His? Hmm? It is the ministry of the Lord through His church continuing today. And He heard about Him. And He sent to Him the elders of the Jews. Now, I don't know if you caught it or not, but uh, do you still have Matthew? If not, go back there to it, the 8th chapter. Matthew 8. I want you to notice something, and this can be enlightening. Let's just hold Luke 7 and go back to Matthew 8. In Matthew 8, 5, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant, lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Does this say the centurion came to him? 
Yeah. Now look in Luke 7. Luke 7 and 2. A certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. When he heard of Jesus, he sent to him the elders of the Jews. And verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly. Verse 6, Jesus was going down to the house. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy you should come under my roof. Now let's just stop right here. According to Luke, this man never saw Jesus. According to Matthew, he talked to him. Do you see this? Now some people will take this. I've heard some unbelieving Bible scholars and say, well, see, there are errors in the Scripture. And Matthew didn't get it quite right, you know. Are there, that's why we can't depend on this book because there are conflicts. That is absolutely not true. You know, it's just ignorant people. Not conflicts. The Bible's not wrong. People are ignorant. Well, ignorant means you don't know. Right? Well, why did it say this? Now, just, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's wrong. You're reading something in the scripture, you say, well, I thought it said this over here. How come it says this? That's, th- those are exclusive just in your head. Both of those can't be right. Well, that's what you think. That doesn't mean they both can't be right. How many know we should always stay on God's side? Don't ever take a side against him and go, well, something's wrong with you, Lord. Something's wrong with your book. Now, isn't that stupid? People do that. People with a bunch of letters at the end of their name. No, this whole story is about faith and authority. Amen. And you'll find that when you talk about authority, you invariably get into delegation. Everybody say delegation. And what happened, Matthew says that the centurion talked to Jesus. Luke says he sent representatives to talk to Jesus. Well, are they both right? Certainly they are. Did the centurion send representatives to Jesus? Yeah. Did the centurion talk to Jesus? Yeah, because they came with his words. They came speaking on his behalf. They came representing him. And the Lord wanted us to see this because how many know he's authorized us? He's delegated authority to us. So much so that in numerous situations when we speak in his name, it's recorded as though he spoke. If you read in, in the writings of the prophets, you'll find sometimes it'll say, the Lord said such and such. And you look at another writing and you'll find that it was a man or a woman stood up and said, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. But the Bible will just record it like said the Lord said. Yes. And oh, it's exciting and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. <laughs> but uh, when you and I stand up in the armor of God. And with the sword of the Spirit. And we speak in the name of Jesus. The devil runs. Because he don't see you. 
Did you hear me? He's not afraid of you. Oh, but you're in him. You're in Jesus. And you are authorized to speak in his name. And when you truly speak his words in his name, in faith, it's as though he spoke. Now, if that sounds too big for you, don't don't throw it away. Get in the scripture. Study the subject. Don't take my word for it. Study the subject of delegation and authority. Why else would the scripture say something like this? One place it said he talked to him. Next place it said, you know, he sent elders and he sent friends. Because he authorized them to go speak on his behalf and he spoke through them. And it'll help us to understand that it's not so much the vessel that's the issue. It's who's doing the talking. Right? We need to be able to hear from God through whomever he would use. You know? You know, a man out in the desert starving for water. And somebody gives him a great big, you know, cup of cool water. And he looks at it and goes, I don't drink out of brown cups. (laughs) I only drink out of white cups. Well, dry up then. (laughs) (laughs) I don't drink out of new cups. I only drink out of old cups. I don't, don't drink out of rough cups. I only drink out of fancy cups. How many know who the cups are I'm talking about? Cups are people. Vessels. And you need to drink from any way the Lord would serve you. Sometimes you have to look twice and go, now that's the Lord, right? Yes, it is. I know uh, I had ministered to a uh, some other folk and myself had ministered to this man, this pastor, who had really messed up. I mean, I won't even go into all the detail of what he did. I mean, he just went crazy and really, really messed up. Well, we prayed with him and ministered to him and endeavored to help him. And he he acted like he, he got straight. And just a few days after that, we were in a meeting and some things were going on. And he stands up and starts prophesying to me. Well, now I knew a lot of the stuff he had done for the past year. And it was just bizarre. And as carnal and messed up as you can get. And when he first starts prophesying to me, my first thought was, no, 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 now. <laughs> you don't need to be prophesying to me. And then I closed my eyes and I checked my heart and I thought, no, wait up, wait up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I opened my eyes and I thought, no, uh-uh. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, not him, not right now. And then I closed my eyes and I thought, no, hold on, that's God. That is God. No. Yeah. And it was God. And God was using that man. How many of we got to be open? That's one one reason the scripture says don't despise prophesying. A lot of people get off. A lot of people mess up. But don't just shut everything down and and don't judge everything before you hear it. Got to be open. Right? And uh, I asked the Lord later on. I said, Lord. What about that? He said, that man is clean. He's repented. I've forgiven him. He's as clean as you are. And he said, I can use whoever I want to. I said, yes, sir. You sure can. That's. I mean, if he's clean enough for the Lord, he's clean enough for you. And the blood can cleanse from every stain. I mean, there would have been a lot of churches that wouldn't have had the man in their pulpit. And yet God accepted him and was using him. 
And I'm glad to say he went on and, and did good work after that. But the centurion, he sent elders and Matthew says he talked to Jesus because that's how powerful and that's how real delegated authority is. Let's keep reading. The Bible said these elders besought Jesus for the centurion. They pressed their petition. They said he's worthy to have you do this for him. He loves our nation. He's built for us a synagogue. They were interceding, if you will. They were pleading this man's case for the Lord. Does it make any difference if you take care of God's people? And then if you have a time of duress, is God faithful to you? If you've been faithful to take care of God's family, will God be faithful to take care of your family? I've seen it. Oh, how I've seen it. You remember the... uh, the woman, you know, that was wealthy and the man of God came by their house ever so often. She told her husband, let's build a little room on the house here. Build an addition on the house and furnished it. And when he came by, they cooked for him and made sure he was comfortable, had a place where he could get quiet and pray and hear from God. And you remember that over a process of time, he called her in and said, what do you want? And she wasn't going to ask for anything, but his servant said they've been trying to have a baby for a long time. He said, "Uh uh-huh. He said, about this time next year, you'll have good news for us. And sure enough, they did. But that wasn't the end of the story. Later on, the boy, you know, something happened to him. And he died out in the field. And they brought him in dead. And he was raised from the dead. And that wasn't all. There came a time of famine. And the whole family left the place. And was gone for years just trying to survive. And when they got back. Well everything had really gone in disarray. People had claimed land. And, and taken stuff. Or they were gone. They thought they were gone for good. And she walked in before the king's court. And the servant of the man of God was standing there. Telling the king about her when she walked in. Can God set you up or huh? And. She, he looked at her and said, that's the woman. He said, yeah, that's her. And he restored all her land and everything it produced all the years she was gone. Does it pay to take care of God's people? And then is God going to be faithful to take care of yours? Well, they're telling him, you know, man, this man, under Roman rule, he could have oppressed them, as a lot of these guys did. He could have oppressed, he could have made life miserable for them. Not only did he not make life miserable, he was a believer in God. And out of his pocket, built them a synagogue. Now, now get the difference now. You can't say, now God, I've done all this for you. You ought to do this for me. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about, now God, you know, I've been a good Christian and I give in the church and, and I do this and I do that and, and you, you are to do bargaining. No, no. Your healing has already been bought and paid for. There was nothing we could do good enough to earn it. Good enough to merit it. So the Lord bought it and paid for it apart from our works. But... The principle is, when you are faithful to God, He is faithful to you and your family. I said, and your family. Man, the greatest thing you ever did for your family is for you to fully obey God. God is faithful. I know Brother Hagin said one time, uh, his son, Ken Jr., pastor of the church there at Raymond now in Tulsa, 
he was overseas in the military, in the army, I believe. And uh, they hadn't seen him, heard from him for some time. And he and, and Brother Hagin is here having a meeting, doing some things. He said he was asleep in the night. And the Lord woke him up. Woke him up and had him pray. Dealt with him. He didn't know why, but he just sensed that his son was in danger. And so he prayed best he knew how. Prayed in tongues and prayed with faith and prayed. And he felt like he got a release. He felt like everything was okay. And he finally went back to sleep. They didn't learn about it right away, but in process of time, they found out that he was out riding some motorcycles with some other soldiers, you know, going too fast around some mountain roads and stuff, and they thought he had run off the mountain. Thought he lost control in some gravel and went off as a sheer drop, I don't know how many hundreds of feet down to the bottom. And they went back the next day and looked, and the tire tracks went off. And then up ahead some distance, they came back on. And he was, they're like, how did that happen, you know? And he said, Brother Hagin said, when he found out about it, and his son came home safe. And he said, the Lord told him, he said, if you hadn't obeyed me and left that last church and went out into the field ministry and done what I've directed you to these years, he would have come home in a box. But because you obeyed me and have been faithful to me and asked me and prayed, I was able to spare him and protect him and bring him back safe. Oh, hallelujah. It pays to obey God. Everybody say it pays. It pays for your whole family to obey God. Amen. Now, now let me say it again. It doesn't mean that if you've been a good Christian, God owes you stuff. Did you hear me now? No, no. Or that you got a right to say, now come on God, I've done this for you, you got to do this for me. No, no, no. He owes you nothing for your works. You, you, you couldn't get enough works to earn your redemption. But the principle is faithfulness. If you are faithful to obey God, it gives him a legal right to do things for you and yours in the earth. Amen. He wants to do it for everybody. But not everybody gives him that right. Through obedience and faithfulness. Does it pay to be faithful to God? Absolutely. Keep reading. He said, uh, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. He knew it wasn't by the merits of of his good works. But look what he said. In Matthew 8 there, he said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Oh, glory. Just do what? Just speak the word. Just say it. And he went on to explain. I'll read this uh, from the living here. He said, uh, if you will only stand here and say, be healed, my servant will get well. I know because I'm under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. And I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my slave boy, do this or that, and he does it. And I know you have authority to tell his sickness to go, and it will go. Now, now understand this. Does understanding authority have anything to do with faith? Here is one of the few instances where Jesus marveled. If you read the scriptures and other translations, it talks about that Jesus turned around. He kind of spun around and looked at the people behind him and said, 
I hadn't seen faith like this anywhere. This impressed Jesus. Huh? He's not impressed with just everything. He wheeled around and said, basically, wow, this is great faith. How many of you find great faith in some unexpected places sometimes? He didn't find great faith in the ruling elders. Didn't find great faith in the Pharisees. No record of him finding great faith among the doctors of the law. He found skepticism and criticism and fault finding. But here's a soldier. A man who knows how to fight. A man who knows how to bark orders and people jump when he says them. Not somebody you would presume is a real spiritual man. And yet he is. Being spiritual is not like what some people think. Some people think if you're real spiritual, you go around, you know, with your eyes kind of half rolled back in your head all the time, and you're kind of half in a trance, and you only talk in scriptures, preferably Elizabethan English, with these and thous, and durst thou and wouldest thou. You know what I'm talking about? People think, well, that's spiritual. But but you'll find people who are trying to put on airs of spirituality are really carnal. And I, I believe I've had the honor of knowing and even being friends with some of the most spiritual people around. And I tell you, they're very normal acting people. They know how to sit down, have a meal, and talk about natural, normal stuff. No. Here's a man. He knew not how to handle a sword. He knew how to handle a spear. It was his life. That was his profession. He knew how to lead men. But it was so simple. He didn't complicate it. He didn't presume you had to have a doctorate of theology. He said, look, I understand how this works. I have superiors. When they say jump, I jump. I got people under me. When I say move, they move. They don't say Oh, come on, do I have to? They, did did you get the language? Let's go through and read it again real slow. Because we live in a generation that doesn't understand this. What did he say? Uh, I have authority over my soldiers. I say to one, go, and what happens? Go. And an hour later, no. Immediately he goes. I say to another, come here. What happens? He comes here now. I say to the the slave boy that was sick, that's laying on the bed in pain, I tell him, do this. And what did the slave boy do? He did it immediately. Why does he love this this slave and this servant? Why is he dear to him? He's faithful. He's not rebellious. I know it sounds funny to us, servant, but that was the way society was. But he had a good master. And they had a relationship that obviously exceeded that. But do you hear authority? Why did this man get such remarks from Jesus? I hadn't found faith like this in all of Israel. What was the thing why he had such faith? What was the understanding? What was the revelation? He didn't quote scriptures. He just believed that just like his generals had authority over him, he had authority over those under him. He believed Jesus had authority over this sickness and disease. And if he could just get him to give the command, he was convinced. That's all it would take. If he could, just like he would, he knows if a general gives him a command, they move out. If he gives his sergeants and privates a command, they move out. 
And he believed if Jesus would give the command, that sickness and that paralysis would move out of that servant boy of his. Hallelujah. Yes. Can you say amen? amen? Can we have faith like that? Yes. Yeah, we can. If an unsaved, not spirit-filled, man that didn't have the New Testament, Roman soldier, could believe this, surely a born-again, blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-talking, name-of-Jesus authorized bunch like us, sure ought to be able to believe that Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, there is authority and sickness has to flee. Has to flee. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. He said, you know, I understand authority. And basically he's saying, I understand you have authority. And if you would, I, you know, I, I don't consider myself uh, worthy to even come see you personally. We, we sent the elders to you. And he sent friends when he saw Jesus come into his house. Now see, you know, there are times when Jesus wouldn't come. You remember we read about these earlier, the nobleman's son. He wanted him to come to his house, and he wouldn't. Remember that? He just said, go home. And he lives, and he did. But with this one, the centurion didn't ask him to come. Do you see this? And yet, he, you know, Jesus, by the Spirit of God, I'm, I'm sure, knew things about this situation. And this man, he, he feels probably feels inferior because he believes in the God of the Jews, but he's not a Jew. And he's probably, he's lived a rough life. He's probably killed a lot of people. He's been in a lot of action. He's seen and done a lot of things, seen a lot of bad things. And he didn't feel, he didn't feel like he's a spiritual man or that he's got a right to, to see the master. But those are the kind of people that can receive. The people that think they've lived such a perfect life and that God owes them something are the people that don't receive. We see it again and again in these cases, don't we? How humility is a factor. In people receiving. But notice what Jesus said. He just says I will come. And he volunteered. Said I'll come to his house. And he just heads that way. But when he sees him coming. You know he sends out his friends. And says no no. Now you don't have to come in my house. I'm, I'm not the kind of man. My house is not worthy that you should come. But I recognize your authority. I'm paraphrasing now. And if you'll just give the command. If you just say the word. I know my servant boy will be healed. Jesus marveled. How <laughs> I many know he's not imp- Jesus is not impressed with just anything? But he marveled about this. And he turned around. He said, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Glory to God. Keep reading in Luke here. Verse 6, Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Now, let's just stop right here. Let's just stop right here. Let's examine ourselves where our faith is at. Faith is not based on what you see, right? Faith is not based on what you feel. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. We walk by faith, not 
by sight. So if, you, if, if you're clamoring and you have to see and you have to feel, then you're refusing to walk by faith. But here the man says he would believe before he saw anything, before he heard anything, before he felt anything, if Jesus would just give the command. He believes that's all it's going to take. What if Jesus told you he'd come to your house and heal you? What would you say? (laughs) Come on. Most people would say, this man didn't say come on. Yeah, but it would be so wonderful if, if I could see him. And then if I could feel him put his hand on my head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Now that, that's, well, see, you, that's not as much faith. The Lord wouldn't be as pleased with you. Because faith pleases him. Did you hear me? Oh, if I could just feel something. If I could just feel the power. And if I could just see something. Then I'd believe. No, you're refusing to walk by faith. You're requiring to see and feel. The reason why Jesus could turn and tell these people what great faith is because this man required not anything to see, not anything to feel, nothing. He just said, I want your word. Would you give me a word? Would you just say it? (laughs) If you would say it, that's all I need. And Jesus said, what great faith. It pleased him. It blessed him. How many of you want Jesus to be pleased with you? Well, then we must stop clamoring to see and feel. Did you hear me? And take his word and say, that's it. I got it. How you know? You see anything? Don't have to see anything. He said it. You feel any different? Don't have to feel any different. He said it. Amen. And be disciplined as a good soldier. A big problem we have in the body of Christ is so much laxness and so much looseness. We're supposed to be good soldiers in the army, respectful and, and submissive to the captain of our salvation. And people come up, you know, sloppy and shoes unshine and buttons askew and, and go, Lord, I need to be healed. I need to be healed. Please heal me. And he says, soldier, you're healed. Well, I know you said that, and I read all them verses, but man, I still hurt, and, and, and please, heal me. He said, I said, you are healed. Well, I know you said that, but it hurts worse now than it did before I started talking to you, and, and the test came back worse, and, and I know it's not so, because it don't look so, and it don't feel so. That's insubordination. People don't realize it, but it is. Isn't it? What do you do? He says, permission to be healed, sir. (laughs) He says, you're healed, sir. Thank you, sir. And you're gone. You don't check to see how you feel. You don't check to see if if he says you're healed. Let that be the final authority. Let that be it. Amen. This is not just in healing. This is in every area. This is how you walk by faith in every area of life. If he says, go do this. He says, go do this. Then what do you do? You go do it. You come here. Then you come here. You do this. Then you do it. You do that. You do it. 
Yeah, but why? And, and what's going to happen? And how are we going to do that? And where's the money? Co- Insubordination. Sloppiness. Unbelief. Disrespect. When God says something, it means something. Where the word of a king is, there's power. When he said, light be, what happened? Light became. When he says, you're healed, believe it. Amen? Well, we're just keep on praying and believing until we get it. And y'all keep on believing with us and we'll just keep hoping. Well, when are you going to believe you got it? When people talk like that, when are they going to believe they got it? When they see it. Will they believe they've got it before they see it? No. They're not going to believe they're healed until all the reports come back clear, until they feel healed and they look healed, and then they'll think they're going to believe it. But it'd be too late to believe it then. You feel it then. Faith occurs before you see and feel. Right? When you just take the word. What about you got bills piled up on your table? You don't know where the money's going to come from. But you're a giver. You're a tither. What the Bible say? But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Is that the word of the commander in chief? Is that the word of the captain of your salvation? Can you put your life on it? Can you stand on it? Can you depend on it? But you see why people don't get results is because it doesn't mean much to them. I've had people look at me and go, yeah, I know that verse. But, well, they don't respect it. I said they don't respect it. Still looking for something else. Yeah, I heard that verse. I know that. I've, I've read all them scriptures. But you don't understand how I feel and what I've been through and what the Latin name is and what's going on in the market and what people have put me through. Well, see, you have more faith in what you can see and feel than you do in this. And you'll not get results till that's changed. Oh, but can you act like the centurion? Can you be like him? He just, he, he doesn't even have to see Jesus for himself. He doesn't have to see anything. He doesn't have to feel anything. Jesus doesn't have to come to his house. He doesn't have to have any laying on of hands. He doesn't have to have any prophesying. He doesn't have to have anything special. He sent messengers out and said, just tell them the command. Just speak the word. He, he didn't have a New Testament. We couldn't have taken him to 1 Peter 2.24 or Matthew 8.17 or any of those scriptures. He said, just could you give me the word? Jesus turns around. Keep reading here in Luke. Verse 9, he heard these things. He marveled at him. Marveled at him. And he turned him about and he said to the people that followed him, I say to you, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. In Matthew, you know, he went into this about, he said, many are going to come from different directions and sit down with Abraham and the patriarchs of faith in the kingdom of God. But there will be those, he called them the children of the kingdom, they'll be cast out. What that means is it was prepared for them. But they didn't receive it and believe it. So they get left out. But here people from the outside come in that didn't have a heritage of faith, but they came and got in and believed and will sit down with Abraham. 
How many know there's going to be some of the, some folk that were some of the roughest heathen, some of the most ungodly folk, but they came to God and they got saved and they're going to sit at table with the likes of Abraham and folk like me and you. Amen. Maybe Gentile background and, and without covenant, but now we're in covenant. We'll sit down. And one thing I'm saying here too is don't get your eyes on somebody else and say, well, yeah, but they can quote all them scriptures and, and they grew up in church and they could probably have faith like that. But me, I don't know all that stuff. This man didn't know this stuff. He probably couldn't have quoted half a dozen scriptures to you. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't, he didn't go on to seminary. He was out fighting, swinging a blade. Right? Can the average Joe have great faith. Can somebody pumping gas and stocking groceries have faith that the Lord marvels at? Somebody that hadn't been to theological seminary, somebody that, that hadn't learned a lot of scriptures. Can you look up and go, God, I don't know much and you know I'm rough as can be, but I know this. If you say this, I believe it. And I just expect it to happen. It's as simple as that. Brother Smith Wigglesworth used to be fond of saying, he said, there's something about believing God that will cause him to pass over a million people to get to you. Yeah. Amen. He don't care how old or young you are or how poor your, your pronunciation is or what color you are or gender or none of that. If you'll believe God, his eyes are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth. Amen. Amen. And when he finds faith, he moves. I said, when he finds faith, he moves. Somebody said out loud, when he finds faith, he moves. Oh, glory to God. He manifests for what people are believing for. Look at the 13th verse here. Well, that's, that's Matthew. Go back to Matthew. Matthew said some things here that Luke didn't get into. Matthew 8. Matthew 8 and 11. Well, let me read 10. Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to them, it followed. Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in, in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion. Now we know he said it to his friends. But he was saying it to the centurion too. Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done to you. How will it be done to you? Will it be done to you as you have believed? Will it be done for me as I believed? Does it work that way for everybody? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what are you believing right now? What are you believing right now? If you're believing something, it means you're persuaded of it. And having been persuaded of it, it puts you in a state of expecting. Anybody expecting anything in here tonight? Are you expecting something? If it's for your body, if you're persuaded, you're expecting changes. And you're not moved if it didn't change yesterday or the day before. You're expecting. Yeah, but it didn't happen in three days. Well, that means you're closer to it than you were. Right? And you're closer to it right now than you've ever been. If you're expecting. 
If you're believing and you're persuaded that you have received inside, you've spoken the word, you believe it is effective, it puts you in a state of expecting to see it out here. Anybody expecting changes in your body then? Well, as you believe, that's how it'll be done to you. And apparently the man was believing exactly what he told him because when he said that word, they went home and the servant was what? He's laying there, body racked with pain, paralyzed, in an awful state, torment. But the very minute those words came out of Jesus' mouth, his, his master, that centurion, was believing that. And that's all he asked for. He required nothing else. The moment those words came out of his mouth, pain left. Body parts loosened up. He was able to sit up on the bed, use an arm and leg that he couldn't use before. Smile when he could do nothing but cry and writhe in pain. Oh, glory to God. Can the Lord do it again? He is doing it again. Hallelujah. His servant was healed in the self-same hour. Look what it says in Luke. If you're going back and forth. In Luke. I know we're turning, but I like to get it all. In Luke, what did he say? He said, they were sent They returned to the house and they found the servant whole. Everybody say whole. He wasn't just some better. He wasn't just improved. He was whole. Able to do anything that anybody else could do. He was whole. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.